Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email info at bi-alliance.org. All right, so the song we just heard was Take It All Back by Melbourne-based musician Sui Chen, who has a new album coming out very soon. And when that album does come out, um, we'll give more details on that. Um, So, hello 3CR listeners, you're tuning in to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am with myself, Tan Hung, and Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Hi. (laughs) Um, So, we are broadcasting to you from the Wurundjeri and Bunurong lands of the Kulin Nation, and Queering the Air would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present, and any Elders who may be tuning in right now. So, it's the month of MIFF, Melbourne International Film Festival, and um, today Sasha and I will be reviewing a couple of films for you, including Maya Newell's um, Gaby Baby, a documentary following the lives of four kids whose parents all happen to be same-sex attracted. Um, oh, intentionally all same-sex attracted, so that's the, the purpose of the documentary. And, um, and then I'll be giving a review on... Um, one of my favourite Thai film directors, <coughs> excuse me, um, Apit Shatpong Wirasatkul's uh, Cemetery of Splendour, who also directed films like um, Uncle Boon Me, Who Can Recall His Past, and Tropical Malady, to name a few. Oh, and Blissfully Yours, which is an amazing film that I um, highly recommend everyone should watch. Um, so I'm going to do a review now of Cemetery of Splendour. So I saw Cemetery of Splendour at MIFF on the weekend and um, the story is about a lonely housewife, Janjira, who volunteers at a makeshift hospital for soldiers suffering from a mysterious bout of narcolepsy. When one of her beridden charges named It captures her attention, she enlists a medium to commune with his sleeping spirit. In in a hallucinatory bond between the two women, the pain of times gone by combined with the reality of the present um, becomes very apparent. Um, So some things that I really loved about the film was that it resembled a lot of his previous films stylistically. It was both magical and melancholy and very dreamlike. And yeah, so this film in particular, I I found it very interesting how it's looking at the past and the present, but it has a very magical realist approach to it, to examine the infinity of the present moment and time and the everyday and its effect on the human psyche. Mm. Um, So that's what I, I mean, those kind of qualities are very um, apparent in all of his other films as well. Um, But what's particularly special about this film is that it's concerned with sleeping subjects and you know, it really blurs the line between um, being awake and being asleep. And, um, yeah, the only the only time you see the the main character um, who's, a, like, unconscious, the sleeping soldier awake, is when um, Jinjira, the volunteer who's looking after him, is around. So it's really interesting to see their relationship form over time. And, um, yeah, and with a lot of his films, he, he does look at... Uh, the role of religion and history and and politics as well and how that 
how that seeps into everyday life and um I think um, in the production, according to the film's production notes, um, it's the, the story's premise was inspired by a strange outbreak that required 40 soldiers to be quarantined at the Northern Thai Hospital. Um, and this incident occurred three years ago, roughly coinciding with the country's latest wave of political turmoil. Um, and it's no huge leap to interpret that the sleeping soldiers are and stand for a government paralysed by protests, coups and other outbreaks of violence. Um, Yes, yeah, so, and in the story we see that the the area that the sleeping soldiers are sleeping on is a hospital that's been built on a burial ground for past kings of Thailand whose ongoing spiritual battle is directly tied to the soldiers' dormant state. Um, mm. And it feels the story feels like nothing less than a lament for a nation whose internal strife dates back centuries and we really see that come across just from the interaction between the two main characters, Jen and It. Um, yeah, and aside from that, I really loved the sensory aspect of his film, um, particularly the sounds of crickets and the, the melding of rural Thailand um, and urban Thailand as well, and also the colours um, from the tropical plants and things like that. They're all quite dreamlike. And mm. when I was recently in Vietnam, it very much from the film very much reminded me of yeah being there being in like a, a humid environment and that kind of um landscape that really has an effect on um your ability to to think and interact with people and yeah that really comes across in in this film in particular so I really liked how it it really played on the sleepy dreamlike effect and um he really amplified that in this film so uh, well done to him. All right, so up next we're going to play a song um, called Girl by the Internet. Monday, 1 to 2 p.m., Women's and Indigenous Hip Hop Show. 
Hi, listeners. You are um, listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. My name's Sasha. I'm cameoing on Tan Hung's show. Yay! Hi, Tan Hung. Hi. <laughs> um, so you just listened to two tracks. That second one was Femme on Femme by Gamus. Um, listeners to my show, um, apologize. I did apologies. I did already play that a couple of weeks ago, but it's such a good track that you needed mm. to hear it again. Yeah, we had a bit of a dance in the studio whilst it was playing. <laughs> it's just Gamus. You guys should check them out. They're a band from Montreal. They are um, Gamus, and they need to become more so. So go go listen to their. Stuff. Stuff. Yeah. And um, before that was the internet um, with a track of theirs called Girl. Mm, cool. Um, and you should also have a look at the internet's um, film clips, which are on YouTube, because they're really, like, dreamy and great. Awesome. And you were talking about cats and lasers? Or is that was that something else that came up when we were... <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So when, when we were on break, when the shows were airing, I was also talking about um, this amazing Tumblr <laughs> called um, Internet Future, which um, likes to embody the um, aesthetic of the internet. Yep. And I thought that it was really great that there was a group that have named themselves the internet. I just feel like that's very like our generation and very mm. now in all the best possible ways. Because really, what's not great about our generation? Like, people yeah. shit all over us, but actually we're amazing. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> Um, so we're going to be talking about Gaby Baby now, which is Maya Newell's um, latest documentary and first feature film. Do you want to introduce it, Sasha? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Tan Hung and I have both seen Gaby Baby um, and it's playing at the Melbourne International Film Festival. Yeah. Um, it is a film about children who are growing up in LGBTQI or queer families or rainbow families. Mm. Um, the premise of the film is that when it comes to the topic of queer families with children, um, especially when there's criticism of those families and homophobic discourse around those families, the voices of the children are often absent. Mm. And um, so this documentary seeks to do something about that and to really centre the voices of children who are being raised by um, LGBTQ um, families. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so the film takes the format of involving um, four families and um, the parents and also the children in the families are interviewed about um, their lives and their experiences, um, sort of just about the joys and stresses of everyday life. And um, the you get to see the kids and the parents at home, you know, the kids being kids and the parents engaging in the relentlessly exhausting process of being a parent and like the ways in which that's like joyful but also the ways in which there's just a million different decisions that have to be made around how you parent and Mm. just like also how you survive and um live your life and yeah yeah I think um what was refreshing yes hearing rarely do you get to hear the voices of kids of um, same-sex attracted parents so it was really refreshing to to hear it from five different and yeah, they were all very different young kids. Yeah. Um, who were growing up in, you know, slightly different circumstances. Um, one's like living out west in Sydney and then another is living living in Fiji and has to deal with being in another culture and in another country. Um, and then one's going through like kind of like dealing with masculinity. And, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So they've all got very different, I guess, paths that they're going on. But I think I really like how yeah, it's like you have this kind of theme to work with, um, but it really allows you to see like the very different 
different lives that these young kids are living. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's nothing homogenizing about the fact that um, they're growing up in families with same-sex parents mm. um, and definitely like same-sex families are sort of homogenized when um, there's sort of discriminatory um, ideas floated about us in the media. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I can't think of – can you think of any particular like um, – stereotypes about rainbow families that you've you've heard in the media i think just this whole idea that somehow um rainbow families are are preventing children from having appropriate adult role models and Mm. i think implicitly there's that dog whistling thing that it's like appropriate heterosexual role models but also that um there might not be like a father figure and that seems to worry a lot of people and um i it's very annoying when people talk like that because um it's really a raising of single mums and the fact that Mm. there are already so many families that are female-headed households that in which there isn't a, a, a male role model, so to speak, yeah. in that family home and um, somehow apparently that that's seen as a really negative thing um, and it's also seen as a new thing, like somehow if rainbow families proliferate that um, there's going to be more and more families that don't have male role models, but the reality is there are, that's already happening. So yeah. many people grow up, you know, their single mums raise them and... Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Like, um, Gus was one of the main characters who wanted to be a wrestler or uh, watched, um, what's that, WWF? Yeah, that WWF, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, both his mums were like, oh, not, not feeling too great about it. But there's this great moment. Okay, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, um, yeah, there's this great moment when he's, one of his mums, um, you know, isn't like, no, you shouldn't watch it, but perhaps you want to think about these things and, um, yeah, think about the way you interact with, treat other people as well, like his his younger sister. Mm, yeah. So, so I thought that was a really, really great moment in the film. It Yeah, it really was. It was really um, – it was a moment also where I felt a bit relieved that it wasn't me in that situation having to make the decisions around what to say to, you know, my seven-year-old son who's obsessed with – WWF racing I mean uh, wrestling Mm. um and how to yeah it was um I kind of watched it and sort of cackled and just thought oh I'm so glad that's not me but also like like just just that like the daily the daily sort of like minute struggles and stuff around being a parent it was really interesting Mm. to watch how that was that was um portrayed really um sympathetically and beautifully but also just in a way that was quite interesting yeah definitely um one of my favourite characters was probably Oh, I really liked Matthew. There mm. was there was something endearing about him and um even uh, his facial expressions, like you could tell that the, he was really trying he felt very conflicted about religion and his place in it and um yeah, often yeah, religion is seen as if you're religious then um then it's a sin to to be same sex attracted or so it seemed like he was battling those things, like that idea, and then, but it, but it also seemed that, you know, he seemed to have really good figures in his life, and, but also he's at that age, coming of age, age when it's like he's making his own decisions, and he can mm. make his own decisions, and, yeah, I really liked how they portrayed that. Yeah, me too. I thought that it was a very. Um well, uh, I don't know the best way to describe this, but a really accurate portrayal of children in that it really did portray children as like 
fully formed human beings with their own thoughts and feelings. Um, whereas I feel like sometimes our society can sort of like sh- shunt children over to one side and just sort of portray them as these blobs that don't talk much or something where yeah. it's like, um, yeah, or well, they don't have opinions. Yeah. 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 Mm. Whereas, um, anyone who's had to, um, interact with, a human being of any age knows that all human beings have opinions, strong opinions. They might voice them in different ways or just scream um, if they're really little babies. But human beings are born with feelings and thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I loved actually one of the things I really loved about the film was the um, the very witty observational humour that kids of about sort of seven, eight have. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the funny, again, not to give things away, but... Um, yeah, just the funny things that some of these kids say about being on the long road to puberty and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is a very long road. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's not even get into queer puberty where yeah, people, right, oh my puberty. God, will that ever end? No. Um, <laughs> um, I felt like the film um, was very interesting in that it didn't really um, explicitly seem to want to like combat homophobic myths about rainbow families like there Mm. wasn't really any discussion around various different um social research which has sort of shown that um Mm. children raised in queer families don't suffer in any way in terms of their well-being um and actually sort of quite the opposite they you know it's been found that kids flourish and i'm sure that i'm not um telling that to anyone who probably is surprised by that any of our listeners but Mm. um I feel like it it didn't really so much do that sort of thing but just um just just by portraying the lives of these families and Mm. um I felt like in a really subtle way it challenged um certain kinds of prejudice and preconceptions about about what it might mean to be a child growing up with um queer and or trans parents and um I thought that was great yeah, like it wasn't it was it was quite subtle. Yeah. Um did you have a favorite character? Oh, um I did really like Gus. Yeah. Um the WWF fan. Mm. <laughs> he was very sweet. Um and um also yeah, I think maybe he's my favorite. Yeah. yeah How cool. about you? Um yeah, I really liked Matthew and um I think Ebony was the only character and maybe she only held this view, but she she did say, oh, you know, I used to think that gay people were, like, bad. and mm. um, But she's like, but I don't think that anymore. And, yeah. yeah, I really liked that. I feel like if there were young kids watching this, because it is um, a pro- it's in the program Next Generation, which is targeted towards 10-year-olds and up. That's cool. So it's like um, I think school schools are allowed to, like, um, you know, book a group ticket and they can send their students to watch it with the teachers. That's fantastic. So, yeah, if young kids were watching this, then, um, you know, I think it'd be good for them to hear something like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's really interesting um, to look at the way in which the stress that is caused by homophobia um, affects the lives of the people in this documentary. Like there's sort of mm. the homophobia that is almost like, I'm almost t- tempted to say like internalised homophobia of mm. the children who have, be, be, you know, suddenly become aware that their um, mum is, um, you know, going to be in a relationship with a woman and like yeah. what Ebony faced and like, I don't know, because normally I would never describe uh, like someone who is potentially not, not, 
queer mm. as um, having internalized homophobia. But when it's in that family context, it does make me wonder because homophobia is going to impact on her life in a structural way in terms of housing and in terms of um, yeah. income and, and mm. her parents being discriminated against will have a direct impact on whether or not she is as well. So yeah. that kind of got me thinking about that. Like, can you describe... Um, children who may not currently or may never identify as um, not heterosexual, as experiencing homophobia if, if their parents are queer or trans and are going to be impacted by homophobia? What do you reckon? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the film itself doesn't touch on the the consequences, like perhaps later on in life, and it mm. touches on like the the consequences or like what the the young um I guess young 12 11 year olds um in the story are like facing now like you know worrying about what school they're going to go to fitting in things like that and yeah I'm um, starting high school um which is always nerve-wracking um yes. yeah so, so having those issues but then yeah what you mentioned like um issues later on like housing issues and things like that um I think that's that would be something really interesting well, hopefully, like, people will engage with it on that level as well and think about not just, like, the effects of kids now but, like, in the future as well, like, as growing, like, human beings. Yeah, mm. yeah. It did sort of make me think about, about that stuff and the ways in which um, there's, like, the stress that comes from anticipating potential homophobia from future high school classmates and yeah. then the homophobia of the particular church that one family attends in which yeah. the relationship's described as sort of being, like, a sin and that and that sort of being this very confronting thing for the child in that family and yeah. um yeah it really made me think about the ways in which homophobia is a is a I don't usually talk about homophobia very much on this show which is strange it's a queer show and obviously homophobia is very real and alive but yeah writing this review it really I realized that word was coming up over and over again and it was really yeah. making me think of the ways in which that can specifically apply for families with kids Mm. And having kids in some ways makes you vulnerable because it's a big expense and you're keeping other people alive and, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you're kind of like, um, yeah, like I guess queer people are already seen as like other in yeah. lots of ways. And then and then that's like even if their kids are, um, I guess, not attra- like only attracted to the opposite sex, then why should that kind of um, – stigma be put onto the next generation as well of kids mm. if that makes sense mm, um, yeah yeah so there's I feel like there are lots of issues there and actually I, I didn't quite notice the whole like um kind of look into like what is possible in the future like what you said how because we see scenes where you know they're entering high school or like um scenes where it's not like they're on that cusping age so it's like oh we're seeing what their lives are like now but we also can imagine what their lives are going to be like a little bit later on down the track yeah Mm. definitely yeah Yeah. and one thing that sort of makes me feel less um nervous for the particular kids in the doco but also just in general um for queer and trans kids in high school and primary school but also for the children of trans and queer um parents is um shout out to safe schools coalition which um have funding all through australia to go into schools and engage with professional development for teachers but also engage the whole cohort 
support of students on queer, mm. trans and intersex issues and yeah. the social change that seems to be yeah. being affected by Safe Schools Coalition seems huge. Um, mm. In the future, we'd love to get them in on our show, actually. Um, oh, yep, cool. Yeah, and it does sound like having them come in just makes a big difference. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, I was looking on the website for this, for my annuals film, Gaby Baby. Um, the website is thegaybeproject.com and it has a section that says um, how you can help or something like that oh, uh, yeah. or support us or support this. And I clicked on it and it has like a bunch of resources and they've, it seems like they've created resources for schools and oh, you can screen great. it at schools or you can screen at a fundraiser um, and raise awareness on these issues. So, you know, it's it's both a film but also like kind of a, a social justice kind of campaign as well or part of a social justice campaign. Totally, yeah. yeah. That's Yeah, that's really awesome. That's really good to know. I hadn't checked out their website, so it's, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, again, that website is thegaybeproject.com. Um, great. So let's hear a couple of songs. Yeah, yep. let's go yep. for it. Yeah. So what song are we going to listen to, Sasha? Well, up next we have, um, this is a favourite of mine at the moment, partly because of the um, name of the band and also the name of the song and also the film clip. Um, <laughs> the song is called Kittens by Sapphic Musk. Cool. Caramino, and you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. Um, you just heard a couple of tracks. The first one was Kittens by Sapphic <laughs> Musk. Um, pretty much like gayest thing that ever happened, I think. Um, <laughs> and um, after that was... That was Frank Ocean, Super Rich Kids. Mm, yeah, I really yeah. liked that song. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, Sasha and I were talking just whilst the songs were playing before about how, yeah, in our generation, you know, it was very hard to find this kind of material, any material on um, rainbow families and like a documentation or, or stories of, um, yeah, people of our generation growing up with same-sex oh, – well, I, I didn't grow up with same-sex parents, but – you know, any of those kind of stories around? Yeah, totally, yeah. It's, like, really exciting to see that these resources are available and what Tan Hung was saying about how um, um, Gaby Baby is um, scheduled as part of the next-gen yeah, part that's of right. MIF. Yeah, yeah, like, that's awesome that um, – and, yeah, like, it's just – it's weird, like, when you're growing up, I think it's, like, you kind of feel like you're – your generation is the very contemporary cutting edge sort of like this is where things are always going to be at. But mm. I feel like there's just been this huge social change in the last five or ten years in regards to, um, yeah, like a lot of movement and activism around combating homophobia in schools and like mm. in young people. And like I feel I was saying to Tan Hung that um, even though they're, 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 this status quo exists in terms of like homophobia and transphobia, um, I think a lot of it like comes from a place of like being frightened to look different or to um, stand out. But um, I feel like um, younger kids and teenagers have a really strong sense of justice. And when an alternative view is presented like this film does really, really well, um, 
I feel like that, like, yeah, um, kids and teenagers can be really receptive in a way that sometimes people are a bit older aren't so flexible. So yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think uh, I know that, you know, I, ha- I, I know of some, some people who are in um, primary school going on to high school and, yeah, I can see that this, like, this particular person I know has um, kind of, like, the vocabulary to describe like sexuality and gender in a way that I didn't have when I was their age and um that's what I find really amazing like and thank goodness to the internet so I think that's I mean I I feel like that's like a huge reason why like you know um social media platforms like tumblr allows for you to just really expand and play with identity so yeah 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 absolutely yeah I mean I was watching a documentary called being me which was about um trans kids living in Australia I I Mm. chatted about it a bit on my show a few months ago and like um some of the kids interviewed were sort of saying that yeah they 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 knew that they were a boy or a girl and they could google it and find this wealth of resources in a way that previous generations like there's just there was just no way that just wasn't that wasn't the reality that you could do that and um yeah I think that it can be it can be great when people have that language and access to that language yeah definitely yeah so um you've been listening to Queering the Air today with Sasha and myself Tan Hung um just before we go I'm going to do a big shout out for Alterity Collective, which is a Melbourne-based collective that um, gives light to the struggles, art, existence of queer people of colour in Australia, Indigenous to this land and those who have come from elsewhere. So they're having an upcoming um, party, which is really exciting. Um, so their party is coming up on Saturday, August 15th, and it will be at Hotshot Cafe, 20 Buckley Street, Footscray, Victoria, from 8.30 till 3 3 a.m. or 8.30 p.m. should I say till 3 a.m. and basically here's the description on Facebook after a nice feed you have the you'll have the urge to have a boogie under some lights to some music that they'll take you back to the day the time when that song would play at a party on a cd and everyone loved it so much that mid-dancing the cd would skip but you danced away anyway. <laughs> Join us in celebrating two of our collective members' birthday through the night. Drink some specials, or drink special, sorry. Some fabulous familiar DJs as well as some new ones. So it's only cash and there is an ATM near the venue and no BYO. Be $10 pre-sale tickets or $15 on the night. And if you want to find out more, go to... Um, Search on Facebook, um, Back to Reality, B2R, and the theme is Pride Valley, hosted by Alterity Collective. So very excited for that. Yeah, definitely get along if you can. Yep, yep. And so the final song we're going to hear is a song by Wafia, uh, who is a Brisbane-based musician, and she did an amazing cover of Mario's um, uh, Let Me Love You. So here it is. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. 
So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. American Empire trying to keep alive the legacy of John Coltrane, Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, and I am so glad you are listening to 3CR because 3CR is a force for good. It's telling the truth and allows you both to laugh, not at but with others. Oh, what a grand radio station it is. Violence can destroy families. I decided one day that I could not stand having my children witnessing more of the physical, verbal and emotional abuse. While I was facing issues of family violence, I heard about a service available to assist people in my situation called InTouch. I called InTouch and spoke with someone in my language. InTouch gave me the support I needed. Thanks to the people at InTouch, I've been able to rebuild a better life for my family. If you need advice, contact InTouch for a free and confidential discussion in your language by calling 1-800-755-988 or search InTouch Multicultural Centre online. InTouch. Brought to you by Victorian Women Lawyers and funded by Victoria Law Foundation.